0: This is Alpha Geek Radio.
1: Okay, well, I'm Brian Bradley. I'm one of the co-creators of Five Truths and a Lie. And uh, we're so excited that all of you came out here to hear our podcast recording today. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We, now, normally, has anyone did anyone see the show last year? A few people. All right, so, so a, little, a, a little change in the way that we vote OK, and Audrey's going to explain the show to you a little more. But just right now, I want to get everything started on the voting. Last year, we had all of you, so we didn't have little ballots for you to fill out because it was far too many people. So we just did the applause meter which for us, two people really suffering from OCD, is not, not effective. Some OCD people, OCD in the house. <laughs> Good. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're here. There's sanitizer uh, all along. You're welcome. Gross. Okay, so um, so we have uh, a friend of ours that helped us create a little texting poll, that's how we're going to do the voting now. So I'm going to explain that. Our friend uh, Chris Ganong over here. So what's going to happen? If you have your, your phone, we have great cell signal in here. Take your phone out and do this right now. I want you to text five, the number five, TRUTHS, T-R-U-T-H-S, no, no space, one word, No problem. It's okay, lady. Um, You're going to text 5TRUTHS to 313131. And then you're going to get a little message back that says you're signed in. And then you're ready to go. Is that clear? Take your time. It's 5TRUTHS, number 5, T-R-U-T-H-S, all one word, to 313131. Okay? And if for some reason it doesn't work, we'll take your votes individually at the end. I don't know how. That'll be amazing. You'll find out when I find out. So, you're going to have that you'll you'll get all set up. At the end you'll be able to vote uh, text in your 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 vote for who you think it is and we'll give you that code throughout who the each each storyteller will have a letter and you'll text it in. All right? Also, do I have everyone's attention? Say yes. yes. Thank you. Also, um, we're really hoping you'll do this. We are lo- you can text in a two or three line story on the theme tonight and we will read those out as we go through the show. So those will come to us. We'll read them randomly. So text, you know, a two or three line thing. The theme is my own private Kessel Run Um, stories of wild rides and high adventure so any story in your life that fits that theme um, keep it clean there are kids and some kids that are not even born yet that are right here in the front we don't want to be foul of them. All right. Very good. That's all I have to say. I'm going to introduce your host for the evening, uh, the woman who co-created this show with me. She's also the creative force behind geekgirlauthority.com, and she's also my wife, the very beautiful, talented Audrey Kearns. There you go. Thank, you.
2: Thank you, my love. Uh, thank you so much for coming out. We're going to get going because we're running a little behind. Uh, just so you know, if you're new to the, um, the concept of the show, we've got six storytellers. They're going to tell a six-minute story based on a theme that we've given them, the theme that you just heard, my own private Kessel Run, except one of these g- uh, guys or ladies is lying, and it's your job to pick out who the liar is. Okay, does everyone get that? Clear as mud? Yeah? Yeah. All right. Um, And if you guys didn't get any swag before the show, I've got magnets and pins and uh, Geek Girl Authority and Five Truths Not Lie. Also, Geek Girl Authority just uh, teamed up with Jenna Bush's Legion of Leia. So I've got stickers from Legion of Leia as well. But let's go ahead and introduce our panel of storytellers. Uh, First, being human, Superman Returns, Sam Huntington. Wow, we could just go home now. Yeah. Ah, that was fantastic. All right, second from Being Human as well, Megan Rapp.
3: Hello. I think someone just
1: booed you. <laughs>
2: Somebody. And Megan, boo- I, I love your show and everything, but I have to tell you, you have the dreamiest brother. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I mean, Jesse Rapp. Are you here? Oh, my husband's right there. Okay.
3: Wait, Jesse's here. No, God,
2: my oh, husband. It's only—it's uh, only my husband. All right, Warehouse 13, Eddie McClintock. <laughs> And if you guys are readers and have not read Wool yet, there is something wrong with you. It is a fantastic book by the novelist Hugh Howie. Please welcome Hugh Howie. It's a little crowded, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the handsome, the wonderful, the Grant Imahara from Miss, Bus- Miss Busters. And so um, about five minutes ago, Grant just got a text from Garrett Wong saying, I can't find the place. So he will be coming soon. And we told him just to come up and uh, get on stage. He's he's a. That's right. Yeah.
0: Everybody.
2: Everybody. everybody, I'll count to three. I'll count to three. One, two, three. And everybody yell, you're late. Let's practice. (laughs) One, two, three. You're late. Thank you, Sluice Mystery Dinner Theater. (laughs) Um, One of my best friends is over there, uh, Megan Maroney. Stand up, Megan. Let everyone see you. She's going to be picking names randomly uh, from the hat. All right? So before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a quick story about my own private castle run to warm you guys up. And I want to tell you, oh, God, I can't believe I'm sharing this. I want to tell you the story about a trip to Mexico. Uh, It was in 2005, and uh, friends of ours were having a destination wedding down in Mexico. And usually, destination wedding is code for, uh, please don't come to our wedding. It's for family only, right? (laughs) But but this time, you know, it was a three-hour drive from Los Angeles. And... um, Uh, they did it on a Monday night because they're actors and actors are usually off on a Monday night. So we decided to go. It was going to be really cheap. We looked online. The pictures of the resort were lovely. Let's do this. We'll go to the wedding and we'll stay one extra day for romantic times. Yeah, I just said that. (laughs) And... (laughs) And so we do that. We go down, and the wedding is great. It's beautiful. It's on a cliff on the ocean. And at the reception, we start talking to some people, and a great percentage of the people were shaken down by cops on the way down to the resort, by Mexican cops, basically being pulled over when they weren't, weren't speeding. And you're going to get a 500 ticket unless you give me 50 bucks. It was that kind of thing. But even the father, the father of the groom... Had to pay 100 You know, his cop was a little more forceful, I guess. And then we have a friend of ours who's very stubborn, and he refused on principle. I refused to do this. So he was arrested and taken to Mexican prison. Yeah. And after four hours, he was like, okay, I can't be that stubborn. And he gave them $500. And that's how much it cost him. And so we're like, okay, that puts a little menacing edge on our trip, but that's okay. And we went home, went to bed. One, two, three. You're late.
4: (laughs) Megan. Hey, Eddie, Sammy. Everyone in this room, I apologize. This has been the busiest day of my life. i only moderated 18 panels today, and... uh, uh okay i'm here two more words oh my
2: (laughs) glad you're here garrett Okay, so uh, we, we wake up the next day and we go out to walk around the r- resort and there's nobody there. I mean, it's abandoned. There's no employees. There's no guests. I guess all our friends just, they, they just woke up and ejected themselves back to Los Angeles because they were scared of Mexico at this time. And, you know, walking through a deserted Mexican resort is like, you know, walking into the second act of a horror movie. I mean, it's no bueno, okay? Oh, by the way, if I do a Mexican dialect later, it's going to be bad. So please don't, don't, don't hate me Mexican for it. T- Dialect. Yeah, I do. I'm terrible at dialect. So, anyway, we actually run into another couple, the only other couple staying at this resort, and they're our friends from Los Angeles. So, we decided to stick together, safety in numbers, and uh, we heard of this place called Puerto Nuevo Lobster Village. Okay? <laughs> Evidently, the Rosary of the Beach area is famous for their lobster, and I love myself some lobster, and we're going to go there and have a great lobster dinner. We look it up online. If you Google Puerto Nuevo Lobster Village right now, you're going to see some lovely colorful pictures of this fishing village uh, with craftsmen and artisans and restaurants and everything, and when we pull up, that's not not what it looks like (laughs) at all. It's all abandoned buildings that have been boarded up. You know, there's trash blowing down the street, and... On the opposite side of the village is the restaurant we're trying to go to. So it becomes like a Robert Rodriguez set, okay? <laughs> Our goal is to go from one side and get to the restaurant safely. So we're walking through the abandoned streets and everything, and I keep seeing something out of the corner of my eye, and I keep going, what? You know, what's going on? And everyone else has seen it too. And, and after five <gasps> minutes of looking behind my head, I see it, and it's a pack of wild dogs, you know, <laughs> killing us. And I look ahead, and there's another pack of wild dogs. It's like they're surrounding us. And they're all there's little dogs, big dogs, and they're all kind of looking at you like they'd like to eat your soft parts, I mean. And luckily, they're hunting something else, or someone else, I don't know. And we made it to the restaurant. We eat our dinner. We have very strange talk with this other couple because we're trying super hard to ignore the wall of roaches. Uh, that's across from our table because... It was like moving wallpaper. It was amazing. <laughs> so the waiter comes, gives us, gives us our bill, and says cash only, which we didn't know. We're like, oh, man. So uh, my husband, Brian, um, and the other guy have to walk all the way to the front of the village, navigate through the dog packs uh, to the ATM, and then come back, which they do, but the ATM was broken, so they didn't have any, no money. And so we put all our money on the table, and we had enough to cover the bill. And it left me and Brian with 12 bucks. And I said, well, I guess our trip is over. Let's just go back to the hotel room, and which is what we did. And the next morning we just got up like vampires, fast, and uh, got in our car and let's get back to Los Angeles as soon as possible. I'm tired of this place. I I don't like it. And we get in the car and we realize we need gas. Well, it's a half an hour drive to the border and I think we can make it. (laughs) I think we can make it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we get, we get close to the border, and I'm like, Brian, we're not going to make it. He's like, no, and so we have to basically pull off a random you know, off-ramp into Mexico. And, and let me give you a word of advice. Never do anything random in the Tijuana area <laughs> of, of Mexico. Seriously. So we pull off, and we pull into this gas station, and uh, Brian gets out to pump gas. We're just going to put $12 in because that's all we have. But that will get us to San Diego, and so Brian goes to pump the gas, and then all of a sudden, in, it's almost like slow motion. This Mexican Federale comes walking towards Brian. He's wearing a full Kevlar vest, reflective sunglasses, and a machine gun. And he walks up to Brian. And he goes, "I pump the gas here." And Brian's like, "Oh, oh!" Okay. He goes, "I pump your gas," and uh, you know, no one in America's ever pump my gas, you know, cop or anything, yeah, well, wait, that sounds.
0: <laughs>
2: that can mean so many things, and once again, my husband is right here, okay, so, um, so Brian tells this Mexican cop, well, we only have $12, he's like, oh, my friend, my friend, no problem, no problem, I pump your gas, and so he pumps the gas, and it keeps going and going and going, and I, I lean over in the passenger seat, I'm like, Brian, that's got to be over $12, you've got to stop them. And Brian's scared. You know, I'm not facing the machine gun like Brian is. You've got to stop him. And, you know, Brian looks at the, the gas pump, and it says something like five million pesos. I don't know what that is. You know, he tells the guy to stop, and the guy doesn't stop. He tells him to stop, and finally he stops. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And Brian says, uh, you know, I only have $12. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, my friend, no, no, no. But this is 27 or possibly $35. <laughs> And, and uh, we're like, we don't have you. He goes, well, then I don't know what we're going to do. Hand on his gun. So Brian sticks his head back in the car, and he's like, we need money. I was like, we don't have money. And, and he starts, where well, there's quarters. There's change on the floor. I was like, no amount of change is going to fill in the money that we need to give this guy. And then I see my husband, and this is also in slow motion. I see him scoop up our brand-new iPod. You know, this is back 2005, so brand-new iPod. And I can can see him thinking, I wonder if this Mexican Federale will enjoy my brand new Pixies playlist. (laughs) I mean, he's willing to trade like he's in barter town. And I'm like, put that down, Brian. Put it down. I'm in my panic mode where I get very stern at this point. So I'm like, put it down. Ask him if there's an ATM. And the cop heard me and he goes, no, no. There are no ATMs in Mexico. (laughs) And I was like, that's interesting, because we just saw one last night. It was broken, but we did see one. And uh, there was a standoff, and that's when we realized that we were getting shaken down. We were being really naive, and that's the point we realized. And Brian, um, he finally realized we didn't have any money. He goes, okay, okay, okay. You see that gas station across the street? They may have an ATM. (laughs) You go over there, you get money, you bring it back to me, and I watch you. I watch you go across the street. I watch you come back. You know, that kind of thing, you know. And so Brian gets in the car, completely like blood drawn from his face. He's pale. And we're pulling out. Brian has every intention of getting the money for the guy. And I'm sitting there, and I just start thinking about the pack of rabid dogs and I start thinking about everybody who was shaken down and I start thinking about how unfair the world is and I have never done anything wrong in my life. I was raised as a good Catholic kid and I turned to Brian and I said, go! 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 Drive to the border! Drive to the border now! Go! And Brian jumps and does exactly what I said without thinking, which is the mark of a great marriage. And all of a sudden, we're outlaws, we're bandits, we're Bonnie and Clyde. And we are racing towards the border, we're looking behind us, we're completely paranoid. And we get to the, and we're speeding this time, and we get to the border, we turn around the corner and stop. And there's an hour wait to uh, leave the country. And we were convinced the whole time that the guy was coming after us. With hindsight, we realized that. Oh, he's just like, oh, I lost. I lost that mark. OK, I'm going to go work on somebody else right now. But we were convinced that we were going to be arrested. And we made it through the border. And we made it to San Diego. And I'm not a big fan of San Diego, except during July, Comic-Con. And um, it was like heaven to me. So uh, the moral of the story is, you really don't need to go to Mexico. And uh, there you go. That's right, you have to follow me. You have to follow me. <laughs> Megan Maroney, who is our first person?
3: It is Dear Sam Huntington. <laughs> 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 oh, we can do the same thing, right? Over here. Oh, okay. No, no. All right. <laughs> I, I am really nervous, by the way. I'm really nervous. This is scary. I haven't told the story in a while. <clears throat> it takes place in 2008. By the way, bravo. Uh, I, I, I've been successfully to Mexico before, so yeah, it can have. be safe. I'm back. We're all back. We're all back. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I, I was married at the time. Uh, my wife and I were invited to a birthday party that was taking place uh, at a place in Las Vegas uh, at the Luxor called the Cat House, uh, which is a classy establishment. Uh, there's uh, it was actually Frank Miller's, Miller's birthday party. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. We had to go, you know. And uh, uh, so we, we we make the drive and we are staying at the Luxor, which is fine. You know, it's a fine hotel. Uh, it's it's I don't know if you knew this, shaped like a pyramid. So that was exciting for me to be in a hotel that's shaped like a pyramid. Um, and so we go to this party. And uh, th- also attending this party was my wife's boss at the time, who uh, he was the president of Warner Brothers Studio, uh, the president of uh, feature production. So I was a little intimidated by this man, being an actor. Um, and so uh, I like cocktails. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. I like cocktails. I like cocktails. I like ingesting them. Uh, and we're, you know, having kind of a mellow evening with, you know, the girls, the go-go dancers on the table. And like, it's pretty fun. And, you know, it's an open bar. So I'm drinking. Uh, and my wife's boss is being awesome. And he's just an awesome guy. And he and his wife are there. And they're super fun. And they're just so cool. And we're hanging out with movie stars. And Frank Miller's there. And I was so excited. And, uh... And so the night goes on, and we're sitting at this booth, and finally at around like 11 p.m., table service comes out. And this was my first time with table service. You guys know what table service is, anyone? Yeah, Yeah, it's where they bring out a giant bottle of liquor uh, to a little table, and there's about, you know, at this time there were two of us sitting at the the table. Uh, My wife was off doing something, talking to her her coworkers, and, and I was left at the table with this other man who I actually don't even remember. By the way, that's where this story is going. Uh, I don't even remember who it was. But I remember we were really, really uh, close at that time. Uh, We were really close. And we decided it would be a great idea to just do as much damage to that bottle of Grey Goose as humanly possible. Uh, And I I actually don't think it was a decision. I think it just happened. and so we're drinking and carrying on. I remember a conversation about unicorns. Uh, there, there, were, there were other movie stars coming to the table. I was really hammered. Uh, so I don't really remember that very well either. Um, but I remember that they were there. Uh, and so, uh, so around 1 a.m., uh, I, I, you know, uh, you know, once again, I'd been all over this place, but always landing back at the table service table to, you know, fill my drinks up. I don't know how many drinks I had that night. Uh, but I, I do remember reconvening with my wife around 1am, getting up to the, uh, getting up to the hotel room, uh, and, uh, you know, saying goodnight, we brush our teeth, everything's good, I wash my face, uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. We, we, we had our routine, you know, the normal routine, we get naked as we sleep, uh, and we, and we go to bed. Totally fine. Everything was cool. Uh, I wake up at 4 a.m. Uh, to my wife, shaking me. Sam! Sam! <laughs> yeah? Yeah? Totally disoriented. She's just, just get up out of bed? I said, no, what do you I'm talking to I'm fucking foolish. I'm asleep. I'm, I'm asleep. <laughs> She said, no, you just got up out of bed. You scratched me with your toenail. <laughs> and you, yeah, you've yeah, you been there. We've all been there, you know. You let it go a little too long. And you, and you, opened, the, you opened the armoire. <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't. You're nuts. I'm laying here. I'm asleep. She said, Sam. Now she's pissed. <laughs> you got up out of bed. You open the armoire and you opened one of the drawers. What did you do? I said, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And now I'm starting to giggle because she's being ridiculous, obviously. <laughs> so she gets up out of bed and she's, she's naked and, <laughs> and she, opens the, uh, she opens the armoire. She opens the top drawer. Okay, this is where I'm going to just rewind a little bit. This is a woman, and I I love her more. This is one of the reasons why I love her. She's the type of person who you go away for one night, you unpack all your shit into a drawer because you have nothing, and so you unpack it because, of course, you unpack when you have nothing. You unpack into the drawer. And she opens the drawer that she's unpacked in. Um, I'm now realizing that this does not paint me in a good light. In retrospect. Yeah, 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 buddy. Uh, And she opens the drawer, and she goes, Oh, my God! Sam, you did it! You didn't! You, But you did it! You just threw up in all of my shit! All of my nice shit! All of my nice shit that I brought! Why would you do it? The bathroom's close! You got up, you fully opened the arm wall, you opened the drawer, I heard you do it, and you puked in all my shit! so I then immediately have just the hint of a recollection. Just the barest of like, oh yeah, I totally just did that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't really know, but I think, yeah, I did. So, so I just, because I'm an asshole, I guess, I started laughing. Didn't, didn't go over that well. <laughs> the laughter. Uh, so, um, <laughs> I don't know how long it's been. Sorry. So anyway, I get, so then I realized, oh no, she's really mad. Because I've, I've, I've puked on like all of her nice things, like her little panties and her silk scarf that had been in there. You know, they don't bring much girls. They bring little stuff. You know, guys bring jeans and stuff. Girls bring tiny stuff, th- th- delicate things. That's what I'd vomited on. So I like, I'm like, oh no, she's mad. So I like get up out of naked. Get up out of bed, take the drawer right out, uh, bring it uh, to the bathroom and proceed to clean every item. and they' all there's like a thousand things in this little drawer, every item meticulously onto a towel <coughs> that's, that's hanging on the bathtub. And I'm, I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, shit, i got to clean all this stuff. I And she's screaming from the bedroom. You're making it worse.
0: <laughs> Just
3: got the bed. We have to be up at 7 to catch a plane. Get back to bed. I'm like, no, honey. I'm making it better. Trust me. <laughs> this part, by the way, now I remember things really well. I remember this. So about 45 minutes goes on. I'm cleaning things. And I didn't realize what I was doing, but I was getting water
1: everywhere
3: (laughs) including the hallway behind me that was tile (laughs) so it escalates things get you know a little pissy in the bedroom as she had she was very rightly to be by the way just uh, very angry uh, rightly so she comes running at a point (laughs) running I will remind you naked and i'm i my back is turned to the to the bathroom door, and I just hear it and like coming and as i'm t- I turn around to like uh, like be like, okay no, I know what you think i go- she i just see her <laughs> <laughs> I just see her rip and like right on her ass on the tile floor. things went bad, they were bad. They went worse. <laughs> she then, well, I mean, then it was. Then there was crying, and it was. They went back to bed. I was lucky. I was done at that point. I actually pretty. I'd pretty much finished up. So I rolled up the blanket and I or the towel. I went back to bed and calmed things down bed. So we went back to sleep. Got about an hour of sleep before our flight the next day. She wakes up. Luckily, because we have a great marriage, uh, and we love each other. We woke up and we both just thought it was really funny. I wasn't feeling great. Mind you, if there's children that are under 21 in the audience, don't don't drink because it's not a good thing to do, uh, or at least to excess. So anyway, we wake up. We're both laughing. Everything's fine. We, you know, she she's she's laid some clothes out. She had laid some clothes out on the on the chair uh, that was you know unscathed by the vomit, uh, and uh, she's like, all right, I'm gonna go down to the uh, you know you got this, you got the bags and stuff. I'll meet you down in the lobby. Uh, she gets dressed, you know, pieces her shit together, and she gets downstairs. So I I wheel our I'm wheeling her bag downstairs. Hi downstairs <laughs> I go downstairs, and uh she's at the Starbucks, and she's wearing this cute little hat, and she's talking to of course who who is it Aww. her boss, yeah. the coolest guy in the world and uh and so I walk up to her, I'm like, hey, guys, feeling really good, by the way, also feeling really good, because hangovers don't exist. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm talking to them, and I'm talking to them, and I'm looking over, and I look over at my wife, and she's wearing this little hat, and just, just here, uh, just here on the hat, was just like, it looked like maybe an onion? <laughs> and maybe maybe like some cheese (laughs) definitely a tomato right on top and she'd been talking to her boss uh anyway we got on the flight everything was fine uh her boss and us are now we're very very close friends everything everything's fine um moral of the story don't stay at the Luxor
2: Okay. Oh, yeah, you guys can vote anytime. If, like, you think Sam is full of, you know, what, right now, shtaco, I'll say shtaco right now, um, then you can uh, vote for him. And whatever you're, la- he's A, A, B, C, D, E, F, okay? And if during the show you think that, oh, wait, I think Grant was lying, your last vote is going to be the one that was counted. There's a guy out here named Paul that just brought you guys some Tim Tim. Where is he? Is he from Australia? Where are you, Paul? Are you from Australia? Well, they are all right. Yes. Thank you, uh, Megan. Who's next?
0: Hey.
2: Who's next, you? Howie, everybody!
5: Yes. Thank you for the Tim Tams. I've been jonesing for Tim Tams for like a year. This is awesome. Um, makes me want to tell an Australian story. Instead, I'm going to tell about the time I went from the uh, I got from the Marriott to the Westin in ten minutes. <laughs> While the Dragon Con parade was... You can vote right now if you want, because you know that's show. So, my story starts with... Uh, there's a lot of nudity in the last story. I'm going to apologize. There's more, no, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, there's more nudity in this one. I apologize for the visuals. It was a long time ago, though, so it's not as bad as it would be if it happened now. It starts with me naked in a man's living room. Um, I was in college, and I needed the money. Um, this is a true story. Um, he was a sculptor, and I, I met a girl skinny dipping. She said, you seem comfortable naked. I've got a guy who I model for. He needs a guy for this upcoming show. You should come hang out in his living room naked, let him sculpt you. You make a little money. Which sounded like a good idea. What I didn't know is I was going to meet his family while I was there. <laughs> so the first day, I'm hanging out for half an hour. Uh, first, he takes Polaroids of me, and I'm starting to think, this, is this normal? I've never done this before, so I thought... Maybe I'm in some kind of, like, uh, porn scam now. Uh, but he said they're for studying later. Uh, I would, I would <laughs> now it gets better. I would find out they weren't, he wasn't the one studying them. But, um, so uh, I met his wife first, um, you know, in the nude, shaking hands, eye contact, eye contact. Um, she works in the living room at the little table with the, with the computer. And the entire time she's working on the computer, she just keeps looking over at me and that was uncomfortable. But then I met uh, the man's daughter, who's about my age, and drop-dead gorgeous. And uh, it's hard to hide your reaction to people when you're naked. Um, But so the guy had to reach for a little more clay. Not much, but a little more clay. Um, So she proceeds to hang out in the living room, work on her laptop, uh, more just glancing over, talking, getting to know the family while I'm hanging out naked. Uh, This goes on for, I I came back for this uh, after the first time. This goes on for a little while and I get to know the family and even have a little chemistry um, with the daughter. Um, It's obvious to her that there's chemistry on my behalf. Um, I'm I'm left wondering. This is the male condition. We never know. You guys know that we're into you. We just don't know if you're into us. Uh, After I knew them for a while, uh, they decide to move to LA and they need someone to drive their daughter and her Ford Bronco to Los Angeles. I'm living in Charleston, South Carolina. It's about as far from L.A. as you can get. I'm always up for an adventure and I was, yep. Um, I don't know what you're clapping for, like, what's that? Charleston. Oh, Charleston rocks. I love Charleston. Um, So I'm always up for an adventure. I'm also up for spending time with this girl with my clothes on, Um, so, uh, you know, trapped in a car without her parents, you know, it's like, it's awkward getting to know her with her dad around all the time. So we take off on this adventure. Uh, with, uh, I'm going to let her drive first. We get a late start. It's 5 PM. Um, I let her drive first. After about two miles, I decide she's probably not going to drive for the rest of the trip. I'm going to do all the driving. Um, even if I'm falling asleep, it'll be safer than, than, than what I witnessed. Uh, the, the Bronco was so full of stuff. It wasn't her, just her fault, but she couldn't see anything. and So I took over. Uh, 12 hours later, just stopping for gas, and um, uh, I've done 24-hour nonstop drives before, but 36 was going to be a new record for me. So 12 hours into the trip, just stopping for gas and food, uh, we hit Texas. Now, this is the weird, this is like the Kessel Run where it's all about warp and how far parsecs are um, and how you can, there's something weird about Texas. It takes 12 hours to get across that state. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Yeah, they do everything bigger there. Um, it takes 12 hours to get to Texas, 12 hours to cross Texas, and then theoretically another 12 hours to get to L.A. Um, so we're a third of the way there. Texas just about kills me. Uh, it's the, it looks the exact same every single mile across. I think it's 20 I'm on. And uh, 12 hours of, of being woken up by the bumps on the side of the road, uh, fantasizing about like, like please let's just get a hotel room and, and let us us both be naked this time. Um, <laughs> we get across Texas. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking like if I can get out of Texas, I feel like my chances are probably greater. I don't know why. I didn't feel like Texas wasn't the place this was going to happen. <laughs> but, so we, but we were flirting and I'm thinking there's a chance here. Um, so we get to New Mexico. We go through the produce uh, embargo checkpoint thing where you're like, you're not allowed to bring fruit and vegetable from Texas to New Mexico. Very weird. It's a lot like your uh, Mexican border story except less funny. Um, We get into New Mexico and now we're talking about hotel rooms. So, uh, and this is the part where you can start texting if you don't believe me. Uh, We check into a hotel and it's one of those two level, um, uh, it's like right between motel and hotel, I don't know what you call those. Um, We get our key card, we go up, unlock the door, open it, there's a couple in the bed having sex. (laughs) The girl screams bloody murder, the guy is screaming like he's gonna murder me. She jumps off the other side of the bed. The guy pulls the comforter over both of them to like shield them. And we're just standing there, like wide eyed, like, no, we thought we were going to be doing that. (laughs) So we run back to the uh, the lobby. The lady does not believe us that there was someone in that room. And we're like, look, we we just saw people having sex. Why would we make this up? Like, give us a different room. She realizes the confusion she makes. Um, We were going to get the room below them, but. uh, now we're on the other side of the hotel. I don't want to see them again. Uh, I've, I've seen enough of them. So now we're both in the mood. The other couple's probably not, but like we're really in the mood now because we know other people, this is a thing people do. So maybe we can partake. So we get in the room. Sure enough, I, I'm starving, I'm exhausted, but I will stay up if there's sex involved. Um, and pizza. So I get on the phone. I'm, exactly, pizza, yeah. I'm ordering pizza. Uh... The fateful decision, on the way to the bathroom, she turns on the ceiling fan. This is important later. Goes to the bathroom. I'm ordering pizza. She emerges in this cute little white tank top and panties. It was a lot more clothes than I've seen most people here wearing. But (laughs) at the time, I was not at Dragon Con, so this was showing a lot of flesh. And I realized I'm I'm getting pizza and sex. This is like worth the 24 hours of nonstop driving that I've just put into this. I turn my back to her to get the order in. I hear her jump on the bed twice, and I still, I'm puzzling this in my head, like, what's going on? Twice on the bed, and then I hear a crack, and then she crumples into a heap beside me. And I roll over, and the lady's like, you know, asking me if, uh, you know, pepperoni, mushroom and all this stuff. I roll over, and my poor friend is holding her face, and blood is coming through her fingers. And she, she yeah, because yeah, you, you know that I'm lying, so you know this is great. Um,
2: <laughs> is he really trying to mess with
5: you right now? I'm probably messing with you right now. She pulls her head up and looks at me and she's like, how bad is it? And blood's just coming out of her nose. And her nose is like two inches off to the side. And I, like, do not want pizza anymore. I, I don't even want sex anymore, which is crazy. To not want pizza and sex at the same time, it's like the only time that will ever happen to me. Um, So now I'm so exhausted, the only thing I can stay up for is sex. But now I have to drive her to the emergency room. So, you know, 24 hours to get here. We have to leave the hotel room, you know, get clothes on her. We get to the hotel room. While she's being seen, I I lay on a gurney just to get, you know, some rest. I pass out, wake up to a a nurse taking my blood pressure. (laughs) Asking me what symptoms I have. And I'm like, no, I'm not here for me. So she comes back out. Both of her eyes have magically gone black. She looks like a raccoon. Her poor nose. And this oh, she's, she's so beautiful. And that was like, you know, she, she loved that she was beautiful. And she wanted to stay beautiful when she got to LA. And now she's going to show up at LA. I know. She's in the, your business, too, um, with, her, with her nose shifted to the side and black eyes. And, and she felt horrible. So I thought I was going to get sympathy sex out of this, uh, <laughs> driving her 36 hours. But instead of going back to the hotel, we drove another 12 hours. Got to LA. Uh, I was the one who had the sympathy. Uh, well, we didn't have sex, but we got, got close. Um, at least got our clothes off, so we had some equality there. But uh, So that's my Kessel run. It was 36 hours nonstop from Charleston to LA, and I did not get laid. But I got a motherfucking Tim Tam.
2: Sorry, Hugh. Um, a couple ones from the audience. One time, I was trying to find my way to a Dragon Con panel, and I was so lost, luckily I ran into Garrett Wong, and he gave me directions. I'm still lost.
0: laughter
2: <laughs> um, I don't understand this. Uh, I once fell off a cliff, and now I have a pet wolf. <laughs> my wildest ride was turning my friend's car upside down in a ditch going five miles per hour. <laughs> Megan who do we have next?
6: It is lovely Megan Rath. Megan yes. Rath. Oh. Hi guys. Guess what? My story is also about nudity. <laughs> the <theme>. <laughs> Adventure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll start I'll start this off by saying uh, I recently moved to Los Angeles permanently uh, earlier in the year. And since then, my boyfriend and I, who he lives in Canada with my dog, uh, his dog too, but, you know. Um, we've been doing a long-distance relationship. And this is new for me. It's a new experience. And so what what we've been trying out is some pictures. Oh, no. A little, a little, uh... You show me a little this, I'll show you a little that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm looking at you. <laughs> you really
3: lasered in on me, too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm
2: looking know? at
3: you because obviously you're speaking. But, uh, I'm just sitting here. I thought she was looking I, for the slides like, to come up. No, What's no, right over here? I'm
6: very uncomfortable. I'm not her boyfriend. Uh, uh, no. I did not. Yeah. He did puke in my drawer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I, I was, I'm was i new to the whole um, pornographic picture industry. And so, uh, I was sort of trying to figure out uh, the best angles. And, uh, sorry, what he really wanted to see was my vagina. Okay. So, I was trying to figure it out. I mean, I didn't know there was what the best <laughs> angles were and what were the most flattering. And, <laughs> 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 like, do I include my face. I probably shouldn't. I mean, I know he's not going to put it on the internet, but like, what if I lose my phone? And you know, (laughs) so I was trying some stuff out. Uh, and I settled on something pretty great. I thought (laughs) later that day, uh, I, um, I went to my agency, um, because, uh, you know, I, I've worked and, uh, know the agents that work there quite well, but I had never met Pearl, who was the owner of the agency, an older lady, um, who I had heard so much about for so long, and we'd just been wanting to meet each other, but every time I went by the agency, she was never there, and um, today was the day that I was meeting Pearl. We had a great chat. We were in the conference room of the agency. All the agents were there. My manager was with me. (laughs) Was charming him. I'm not gonna lie. I I, I was on my
0: game.
6: (laughs) Uh, Everything was going great. Um, You know, 35 minutes into into the conversation, which was you know everyone was was seated across a giant boardroom table, and so uh, you know I'm talking about my dog, talking about how much I love my dog, miss my dog. He was a puppy, training him, isn't that? And Pearl Pearl goes, Pearl goes, Pearl's like. I love dogs. I was like, bro, well, I knew we had to meet. She goes, let me see pictures. I want to see a picture. I'm like, yeah, bro. <laughs> he asked, does she like cats? <laughs>
3: oh, oh. Good one, Hugh.
6: <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really thinking. I didn't consider my day before this point. And, um, and so I said, Yeah, Pearl, sure. And I took my phone and I got a picture out and I reached across to this giant table and gave her my phone. Guys, I have a galaxy. Who's a galaxy here? It's the worst. <laughs> so. Pearl gets the phone and I you know I'm I'm talking to everyone else because everyone else has seen pictures of my dog, heard all the stories. And I just look over at Pearl. I look over at her and she's going Oh <laughs> 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 uh, Oh no. No. <laughs> and I and then we lock snakes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
6: and I immediately almost shat myself (laughs) and I just I think I bellied on the table like some sort of whale like a gliding porpoise and I grabbed it from her and I looked at it and it was my chosen vagina picture (laughs) which included my smiling face And I didn't... Honestly, I I probably should have been like, well, that's my vagina, Pearl. (laughs) But instead, for some reason, I just flipped to my dog, and I was like, here. (laughs) Like, I just pretended nothing happened.
5: Oh, God.
6: And then she saw my dog and didn't have much to say at that point. (laughs) But she looked at me again and uh, we shared a moment that was like you've se- you know me and you've seen deep inside me
3: oh god
6: and uh, so um, well, that was the last time I saw her <laughs> alright alright <laughs>
2: I feel like one day this picture's going to be online. I, 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 I don't know. Okay, here's a, a couple more. Um, I found out that giraffes are flammable in thunderstorms. <laughs> okay. Um, I was once pulled over for speeding on 420. Oh, on 420. Okay. Uh, a drug cop was convinced my moon pie crumbs were contraband, so he insisted on tasting my crotch crumbs. <laughs> I once spent three minutes in a public bathroom with Soma Hayek and Bill Paxton. <laughs> Why not? Megan? Garrett Wang. Garrett Wang everybody. Garrett
4: Wang. Okay. Wang is Wong. Hashtag Wang is Wong. That's okay. <laughs> just please, so just explain. W-A-N-G-W-O-N-G spelled and pronounced uh, pronounced the same way, spelled differently, W-A-N-G is uh, Northern and Central Chinese, W-O-N-G is Southern Chinese. So that's all. You there you go. Much. You're welcome. All right. So my adventure uh, also takes place in Las Vegas. So I, uh, <laughs> following Sammy's story. Uh,
3: Apparently nothing, uh, if it happens there, but things get out. Yes. Yes.
4: <laughs> um, I, had, I had been invited to uh, uh, a nightclub uh, called Excess in the Wind and uh, by a friend of mine who... Uh, you know, when, you, when you're an actor, you end up rubbing shoulders with all different types of people. But uh, a friend of mine who was Missed November of 1998 invited me to her private table over at uh, the Wynn. So I went over there to join Tiffany Taylor. A good and uh, it's a good table, yes. And um, I got there about one in the morning and, uh, you know, hung out, whatever, drank a little bit. And then all about, probably about four in the morning, 4.30, the table next to us, just they vacate. They leave. They sign their bill and leave. And another group comes in at 4.30. They closed the club down at 5 or 5.30, so it's like, what are these people doing here? And I noticed that the entire table was either Asian or Middle Eastern, and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. Uh, Other than that, I just sort of just went on with my dancing, my drinking, partying, and then um, five or ten minutes goes by and a hand doing the Star Trek Live Long and Prosper signal, uh, comes into my, my, my periphery, just like in front of my face. So I follow the hand up to the arm, up to the face, and it's this grinning Middle Eastern kid. And he goes, is it you? Is it you? And I go, uh, what are you talking about? Are you Ensign Kim? And I go, yes. And he goes, I told you. He's with his buddy. He goes, I told you it was him. So then they introduce themselves. He goes, my name is Faez, and this is my cousin Hamid. We're from Kuwait. We just came in here, and I said, oh, well, so who is everyone else? Oh, these are our Malaysian friends. I said, oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Um, so just having a quick Vegas trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're partying down, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We talk. We become friends. And I exchange numbers with Fayez. Fayez says, uh, we're actually going to only be here for three days, and we're going to leave. We're going to go to New York City. And I said, okay. Well, I actually went to a convention, came back, whatever. And uh, I texted him saying, how's New York? He goes, no, we're still in Vegas. I said, oh, okay. you got to come out tonight. I go, all right. Where, where are you guys going? We're going to another uh, nightclub. We're going to, another nightclub. Uh, we're going to uh, I, I, oh, here's the thing. I said, so do you guys have a table at this? And he goes, yeah, yeah. Uh, the table's under Joe Lowe's name, which is one of the Malaysian friends. I said, okay. So I get over to the nightclub, and uh, sure enough, I walk up. There's just tons of people outside. I walk up to one security guy, and I say, hey, I'm, I'm going to Joe Lowe's table. And immediately, the guy goes, starts saying some stuff. Five guys come out and escort me into Joe Lowe's table, pushing everybody out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. We get to the bottom of the table. There's... 40 people at this table. There's a clawfoot tub, a stainless steel clawfoot tub filled with ice at the base of the table, all Cristal Champagne. There's security guards all lining at the bottom and all around the table. And the guy at the bo- so the guy hands me off to another security guard. And he goes, well, who are you here for? I said, Joe Lowe. He goes, I know this is Joe Lowe's table. Who invited you? I said, Fayez. So then he looks up and he waves over at Fayez. I see him. And Fayez goes, yeah, 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 let him up, let him up. So I get up there. So I'm kind of hanging out. I'm like, all right, this is cool. Just tons of people. And I noticed how random girls would be escorted in and then some would hang out for a bit and they'd be kind of escorted out or whatever. I said, what's going on? I mean, why'd why'd that girl leave? And then Fayez goes, well, Jolo doesn't like anyone except for blondes. And I go, what does that mean? So evidently, only only blonde girls were allowed at that area. But I sat there and I I, I started talking to Fayez and I said, okay, so what's going on here? Because this is very strange. Um, you have a, a clawfoot tub with I don't know how much in alcohol was sitting there. Every 10 minutes another 15 bottles of Cristal would come in. Okay? Um, the entire club, all of the employees were wearing sci-fi costumes because Joe Lowe was a huge sci-fi fan. So the owner of the club told all the employees to go out and purchase sci-fi stuff. So you had C-3PO here, you had you know, someone wearing a Darth Vader helmet and it was just the whole club was like that. So then I asked, I, I ask, I'm just curious. I'm saying, OK, so um, what does Joe Lo do, Fayez? And Joe, uh, Fayez goes, uh, he's a businessman. He's a Malaysian businessman. OK. <laughs> all right, I don't know what that means. But uh, uh, how old is Joe Lo? Oh, he's 25. I said, oh, all right, cool. That's pretty young to have a big table like this, lots of you know alcohol and everything. Um, and I said, how old are you guys, Fayez and your cousin Hamid? He goes, oh, we're 22. I said, all right, so you guys gamble? He goes, yeah, yeah. What does Joe Lowe play? Baccarat. All right, Asian game. A lot of Asians play that. I said, what? Uh, what's what's Joe Lowe's average bet? He said, two hundred and fifty thousand a hand. I said, what? Two hundred what? Two hundred fifty dollars? Go no, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a hand. I said, yes. Do you you play like that too? He's like, he's like, oh no no no. Hamid and I, we only play thirty or forty thousand a hand. I go, oh. <laughs> so basically. Fayez and Hamid, you guys are playing enough to buy a car, and Joe Lowe's playing enough to buy a house per hand, okay? (laughs) So I'm just confused. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand any of this stuff, you know? But the funny thing was, that night in the nightclub next to us was Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx was at the table next to us, along with Rihanna and a couple other rap stars, and... The evening was hosted by Jamie Foxx, so he was actually sitting there and he sang his uh, alcohol song, "Blame It on the Alcohol" song. So we're talking, this is July of two thousand and nine-ish, whatever. Um, so after we uh, after we left there, we went to their seventeen room villa at Caesar's Palace, which I, I just I have never seen such wealth on display. Um, Uh, But it was one crazy, crazy, crazy evening. And then they said, yes, we're going to go to New York City, whatever. So then I actually went to L.A. after that. And uh, I texted Fayez. I go, uh, Fayez, how's it going? How's New York City? He goes, no, 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 no. We're in L.A. now. I said, oh, I'm in L.A. He's like, come on out again. Come on out tonight. Come on out. So I I get over to... uh, I get over to uh, the house or whatever the name of that club on La Brea in Hollywood is. I get over there, and I walk in. I said, I'm going to Joe Lowe's table. Sure enough, walk over to Joe Lowe's table. There he is. Faez is there. Everything's there. I come in there, and at this point, all I know is Joe Lowe is a businessman. Faez and Hamid are from Kuwait. That's all I know. so we're sitting there and Fayez goes, oh, you just missed it. You just missed it. It was hilarious. We've been here about an hour, uh, but you just missed what just happened. I said, what happened? What happened? Well, we walked in, we got our table, and all of a sudden, this guy shows up and he says, I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm here to ask you to come pay your respects to the Saudi royal family. So I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. So Fayez goes, yeah, we didn't know the Saudis had a table in the back, and so they sent their representative over to uh, ask us to come pay respects to them. And I said, well, what would you do, Fayez? We said, he is, screw that. We sent our representative, Jamie Foxx, to their table. (laughs) To tell them to come pay their respects to the Kuwaiti royal family. So that's when I realized Fayez and Hamid were members of, they were royal princes of Kuwait. So, I'm telling you, I mean, basically, I guess the moral of the story is, if you think you know rich people, you don't know rich people. (laughs) Okay.
2: Long story short, Mexico gives you rashes, just so you know, and uh, three people are convinced that Megan is a liar right now. Uh, one person said, uh, boyfriend in Canada is code for lie. <laughs> All right, so we have Eddie and we have Grant, Grant, not Grant. Grant. In England, we have Grant. Grant's mom. Twill be Eddie. Twill be Eddie.
7: Hello, Woo. man. I have been sitting over there going, it's my, when it's going to be my turn? Oh, it's my turn. What is it? I'm nervous as hell. I don't know. It's like I've spoken to thousands of people at panels, and uh, for some reason, this is a, uh, and you know AA meetings and everything, man. I and mean, this is like, yes, my last day. All right, I'm going to start. Before I get started, let me ask this question: Do you think if I tell my story that do babies? know what crack is. <laughs> I just... Do you think... Okay. Because there may be some store? This may have something to do with crack. First, let me, let me put this out there. Uh, I'm 14 years sober. And uh, so... so uh, thank you. But I had a... A lot of fun for a long time. I like, I like started partying when I was seven and I quit when I was 37. So um, this has, my story has uh, a little something to do with my adventures uh, in my partying days. I was, uh, I'm from Ohio. I grew up as a wrestler. Um, I wasn't an actor or anything like that. I, I went down to uh, Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio, to be. Thank you, smattering of applause. Um, I went down there to be a wrestler and, uh, you know, uh, to try and get a uh, wrestling scholarship. Now, my best friend from high school, Chris, who uh, ooh, I said his, I said his real name. Uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't. Not Chris, J- John. We'll call him John. <laughs> Not Chris. Uh, so um, my friend. All right, I'll just call him Chris. Uh, my friend, my best friend, Chris, and I. Um, we parted ways. He ended up at Ohio State. I ended up down at Wright State University in Dayton. And um, I actually hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And um, but I had been hearing some things from when I'd go back to. Uh, up to my hometown in north canton that that Chris thank you um, <laughs> that Chris may or may not be dealing drugs of some kind, uh, so you know whatever, man, I mean, I grew up it's it's i, I wasn't really phased by that, it, you know, and i didn't care you know how gossip can be um so I'm sitting down, you know, like with my wrestling buddies with our Australopithecus heads and our, you know, our thick necks. And, and, you know, like we're sitting around talking about each other's genitals because that's what wrestlers. Hey, what about your dick? What about your dick? <laughs> uh, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, because we're generally uh, pre-evolved. And, um, and I get a phone call from Chris. And I'm like, dude, I, I, how are you, man? He's like, Eddie, I've been thinking about you. I miss you so much. Um, you know, it's been so long. Why don't you come up to Columbus and, um, and hang out with me? And I was like, I, I would love to. Uh, let's, let, he goes, come drive up tomorrow and, and we'll hang out. So I, uh, I drove my jalopy mobile from Dayton up to Columbus, which is about, a, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. And... Um, <clears throat> and I see Chris for the first time, and he's driving a black four-door BMW that's been completely smoked out. All the windows <laughs> are smoked. Like, not, not, not being a conspicuous or anything, uh, Mr. Drug Dealer. Uh, so so we, we see each other. It's great. We're having a great time. We're cruising around in his car. And he's like, listen, man, um, I got to go. I got to go. Excuse me. I got to go uh do some stuff and I don't know if you want I I'll drop you off at the house or you can you can come with me uh and I was like no man I'll I'll go with you and that's when the stones like you know the, that was the beginning of the theme song of the for the rest of the next 2 years of my life you know it was like it was like good fellas with the choppers in the sky and the so Cut to about an hour later. We're underneath this house <laughs> in in, in uh, Columbus, you know, and it has the because it's like an old house, so the, you open the fruit cellar doors and you go down underneath to the earthen floor of the fruit cellar, much like in uh, like Evil Dead or so, you know, like not in what's in my fruit cellar. <laughs> so so, so um, uh, we're down in the in the fruit cellar. Very dark there's you know one of those there's like a light, uh, window with some light coming through and uh, and uh, I Chris I see Chris reach up and he clicks the light bulb and it casts shadows all over the room and he reaches into the this dark area and he pulls out a briefcase and um, there are no cops in here, are there? Is there, any, are there any cops in here? I okay, good. And uh, he opens up the briefcase, and um, he's like, "Shit, man, we gotta, I gotta get this done." He pulls out a triple beam scale, which is a very, uh, you know, high, you can you can measure shit, okay?
0: <laughs>
7: Literally, you got to me- man, you measuring some shit now, motherfucker. So. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> this is, uh, this is, we're, uh, so, uh, Chris opens up and he pulls out, uh, the largest bag of cocaine that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was huge bag of cocaine, and he's like, alright, man, um, uh, okay, and he's reaching in with his hand, and he's grabbing the cocaine and putting it on the, uh, the triple beams, oh and I'm standing there... <laughs> uh trying to be cool. <laughs> I'm like yeah, man. I do this shit and like picking up giant rocks and, and going and kind of blowing the <laughs> and putting them down. And um and that and that was kind of the baptism of fire for me uh for the next 2 years with Chris. Um Chris his mother had an apartment that she paid for that he kept and whenever she would come to visit he would go over there and it was a, you know tiny little apartment and then he had this giant 40 foot ceiling loft in Columbus and he was like listen Eddie I know what I do is probably you know not the coolest thing but I love you and we've been friends forever and I love having you around and and, uh, and I was just like, well, you know, I don't really have any money to, to live this lifestyle. And he's like, dude, it's okay. I'll pay for you. So we, am I doing all right on time?
2: We're, we're bad on time.
7: Right? Oh, we're bad on time. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> all right, let, let's cut to, um, we, it, listen, uh, I went back down to Dayton and Chris called me. He's like, listen, we're going to see the cure. Do you want to go see the cure? I said, yes. He goes, drive up here tonight. We're flying out tonight. I drive to uh, Columbus, we get on the plane, we fly down to Houston, and we're in Houston, we go to The Cure, we're in like the second row at The Cure, I mean, we've all taken like a bunch of X, so it's like seven people like, love! I love you, I love you, so we're all in love, after the show, we're driving in the car, and I remember I'm in the back seat of the car, And Chris's girlfriend, who is like arguably one of the most beautiful girls, she was on the billboard down in Houston for Rick's Cabaret. I'm trying, I'm trying. I
2: know you are, but...
7: I okay. So, so uh, Rick's Cabaret, the woman is, she's gorgeous. And she's like, here, count these. And she hands me stacks of just cash. And I'm like, seriously, what am I, what's happening? And I'm counting out, ca- I counted out about $10,000, 13000 in cash in the backseat of this car. And then they're going, well, we're going to this restaurant. So we go to this restaurant and they, we go in and uh, there's no one there, and we go down, we sit there, and the guys, these guys, I'm like, what the fuck, what is happening, and these, the, his, um, I didn't know if they were like Hispanic, Colombian, whatever. They come in, and um, they are looking at my friend Chris's girlfriend, and they're whispering, and they go out, and they come in, and uh, they tell us that we're going to meet El Jefe. And, um, and I don't know what that means. I'm just a wrestler, man. I'm like, I'm like four IQ points above the short bus, okay? I'm like, I mean, I, I crammed uh, four years of college into six. Uh, so I mean, I'm just like, you know, <laughs> I didn't do this, man. Uh, and so uh, in comes El Jefe with um, his people, and they walk right up to my friend Chris's girlfriend and he starts speaking with her, and my friend Chris, who kind of bought into, he kind of was into the whole, you know, uh, Scarface thing. He says to me, "That's that's Pablo Escobar." <laughs> uh, and Pablo Escobar, if you don't know, uh, at one time was worth a billion. He was the most uh, sought-after cocaine drug trafficker, possibly in the world. Um, And he is talking to her and says, "I would like to take you to dinner." And she's like, looking at, and she's like, "I'm not going without them. (laughs) I don't. don't, I'm not hungry." so, um you know uh, she basically her, her chris 's girlfriend's sister, who was also with us uh, uh she says well i won 't go without my sister, and the sister says i won 't go without them so cut to the we end up having dinner no. with Pablo Escobar <laughs> at this restaurant, and I mean i said my asshole slammed shut the- i mean i it chewed a hole in my when I got up, it actually the chair came with me because I was—I mean, talk about shrinkage. I mean, I—I'm—I'm I'm Irish, and I was uh, like—I was uh, hung like a field mouse at that. Uh, t- so, um, anyway, we got through the dinner. The man was very polite. He said goodbye. We went out. Uh, I we got back in the car and Chris is just like holy fuck. I mean, that close to something that volatile uh, was was one of the reasons why I just said you know what I'm out. I'm, I'm done and that's it.
2: So we have the. Uh we have the next panel coming in, so Grant's going to come up and, and tell a story. Um, you guys can go ahead and start voting now if you think you have a ringer. Sam is A. Okay, member Vegas story. Vagina story for Megan, she's B. Uh, Pablo Escobar, C. And uh, Hugh Howey uh, wanting sex and pizza D, and uh, F over here is Garrett Wong and the Saudi princes and Jamie Foxx, Kuwaiti princes, and give it up for uh, Mr. Grant Mahara And E uh, Grant is E. Grant is E. A B C D E and F.
8: E and F. Okay. Hi everybody. <laughs> So, uh, those of you who are aware of our show Mythbusters know that on this show we do a lot of very dangerous things. We jump out of planes, uh, we, we shoot guns, we crash cars, we pretty much have an explosion almost every episode. It's actually part of our contract. <laughs> we did an episode for Shark Week uh, in which I experienced some of the highest adventure of my life, unfortunately, that adventure did not make it on screen. Just to preface it, I was not really a scuba diver, I don't really like the water, I don't like fish touching me,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
8: so for me really, a Shark Week episode is perhaps the worst thing that you could possibly imagine. And yet, this is part of my job, and so I have to go ahead with it anyway. The experience of scuba diving, I had never scuba, I'd never dove before with with scuba. So I learned in Monterey (laughs) the one week. The next week, we are in the Bahamas, second dive with sharks, third dive with sharks at night. Uh Nope, nope. Now, yeah, in this episode, the reason that we're diving with sharks at night is because they want to know if sharks are attracted to flashlights. And so we do a night dive. We've set up, in the terms of the show, two dives, but really it was on the same day. First dive, no lights at all, just to count as our control. Second dive, with flashlights, and you compare. The thing is, at night... Uh, well, was very dark in the middle of the Bahamas. And so if you wanted to count sharks, you couldn't see them. So we had to put lights, and we're diving on a, on a wreck, a sunken wreck next to a deep crevasse. We had to put lights, and you power the lights by a generator that's up on the ship. So basically the ship is tied to the wreck by these power cables that are suspending lights so that at least you can see as if there were moonlight. We do our dive with the sharks and it's absolutely terrifying. It's it's dark. We count I think I count, you know, one or two sharks, it it a few sharks. And then the real adventure begins. Because we get up on shore and we're preparing to do our second dive and mind you none of this ever made it into the episode. As far as the episode goes, we do our dive, it's really scary, we do another dive, it's really scary, we count the numbers and, you know, myth busted or confirmed. <laughs> Between the two dives, a squall came in, and the ship, which is anchored to the wreck by all of these power cables, is suddenly being pushed out of position. And if the ship gets pushed out of position far enough, we either have to scuttle the mission, or and, and it would be very, very bad. So the captain is fighting desperately to keep the ship in position. And fortunately, it only took probably a tense half hour before he did manage to keep it in position and the squall passed. We went down, we did our second dive, and we're about to count our results, and then the dive master signals everyone, get out of the water, and so everybody does an emergency ascent, and we're like, what? What, what is it? He goes, well, <laughs> that crevasse that we're next to. We go, yeah? Well, your chainmail that you're wearing is designed for reef sharks, eight to ten feet. They'll bite the chain male and then they'll go, ah, okay, and go away. When you were down there, next to that crevasse, which is very deep water, a tiger shark popped out and started circling you and that's why you went up. (laughs) And after that we had to go back down and finish the experiment. (laughs) That's it. That's the high adventure of my own private castle.
2: All right, we're going to wrap this up. Grant, thank you for cutting that down a little bit. He cut the story down because we've got to get the next panel in. Send your votes in. Remember, it's A, B, C, D, E, F. And don't put anything after the letter. It's, if you put like uh, F, Garrett, then it's not going to. F F Garrett vlog <laughs> no 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 hashtag F Garrett thank okay. you okay so vote right now I'm going to look to see what the tabulation is and we'll see who, who you thought She's is
8: living in the future right now this is
2: at the, are, are, do we have it yet Chris we're shutting off voting voting is done oh wait 30 seconds that wasn't fair 30 seconds and then voting is done Um, Get those
8: fingers moving, people.
2: Come on, text it. Text it. Do it. Faster. Um, Here's something. uh, Fireball whiskey and beautiful women make for a roofied night gone terribly wrong. Now, that's not even funny, That's a haiku. That's a haiku. That's a (laughs) haiku. That's not voting. No. Please close the doors. (laughs) Here's another one. Please close the doors. The crowd in the halls are very loud. One day I went to a panel, but they didn't close the doors, and it was So, <laughs> very, very good. All right, we should be getting it, Justin. Um, thank you, Sam Huntington. And Megan Rath. <laughs> Eddie McClintock. Hugh Howie. Go buy his book. Go buy his book. Grant in the heart. Of course, Mr. Garrett Wong. All right. Do we have our tabulation, sir? Okay, that was. Oh, is, uh, it's killing uh, me. It, what? One vote? One minute? What? One we got. We got one vote. All right. Let me read you a couple more I'm of these. to make it a good one. <laughs> it's possible to be released from a mental institution in Birmingham, Alabama, in the morning. Find a gun and make it to the Greyhound bus station. Ready? Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of that. That's, <laughs> that's wrong. Garrett is lying, is one of them. Okay, so these are the... Uh, Sam Huntington, 23 p- three people think you're lying. Oh,
0: 23 oh. of you?
2: Man. Yeah. Megan Rath, 45 people think you're lying.
8: Oh. Who is it? <laughs> Show them the picture.
2: Eddie McClintock. Oh. McClintock, 67 people think you're lying. Hugh oh, no. <laughs> Howie, 43 people. Oh. There was a no one cares. Uh, Grant and Mahara, only nine people.
0: Uh. They,
2: all, they all saw the episode. And Garrett <laughs> Wall, 41 people think you're lying. Eddie, everyone thinks you're the liar. What? They think you're a liar. Guess what, everybody? He was the liar, Eddie McClintock. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much.